Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 2, Episode 16. Today we're talking Prehysteria, exclamation point, 3, from 1995. Directed by David DeCoteau. I'm Joel Scola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Connor. Now who's the villain, Flash? Now who's the villain? McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. They're miniature dinosaurs. I don't know where they came from. I know you hate animals, so please... You want me to keep the putt-putt and these dinosaurs? What do you think this is? Dino putt? Hey! Wait a minute, that's it! Dino putt! We'll make a fortune! This episode is brought to you in part by Lucky Duck Entertainment and the O Street Golf Association. Um, so it's a it's a little bit of a, 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 a cross promotion kind of special episode here. So what we did, Movie Dumpster, at least two thirds of Movie Dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> Because somebody lives on the fucking West Coast, and... Because uh... somebody's got 3,000 stupid miles between him and that golf course. <laughs> hey, just work on that teleportation circle every day, Connor. Maybe one day you'll be able to get here. Just fucking call up Seth Brundle. See what's up. I'm just working at my super speed, okay? I haven't found the right chemical concoction to pour on myself and get struck by lightning yet. Call Thomas Wayne to help you sort it out. So we were invited um, by Rudy and Aaron... Uh, both respectively and collectively of Lucky Duck Entertainment and O Street Golf Association to uh, come down and uh, shoot, shoot the old holes down at a, a, a mini golf course. Um, and they they proposed to us uh, possibly doing a cross promotion, and, and here we are. So they said to us, you know, oh, you know, do you have any golf movies that you guys want to talk about? I said, well, shit, I got the perfect one, Prehysteria 3, because uh, the plot crunch of this film is... Um, you ever seen Caddyshack? <laughs> Those wonderful pygmy dinosaurs are back, and guess what we're doing? We're saving a fucking mini golf course from being closed by Evil Uncle Hal. Evil Uncle Lance Hendrickson. I wish it was fucking Lance Hendrickson. He looks like what would happen if like you you like attach Lance Hendrickson to something that would like I don't know like suck out a part of him and like you get with you left with Uncle Hal. Oh, that's if you leave a, a wild Lance Hendrickson and wild Dean Stockwell in the same pen for too long. This guy comes out. Oh, it's more it's more fly transporter nonsense. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, there you go. One last point about our golf game. Uh, me and Joe, we, we competed on Team Movie Dumpster versus uh, Rudy and Aaron. And, uh, I mean, you'll have to check out the video to see how the game turned out. But, uh... I don't know. I had a good time, Joe. How about yourself? Oh, I had a great time. I realized that I should go out and play more mini golf because I fucking suck. <laughs> no spoilers here, but, uh, you know, you can go check the video out at the O Street Golf Association YouTube page, and that that should be up by the time this is out. All right, spoilers. Uh, uh, in the third act, I came over and killed the opposing team by throwing a car at them. <laughs> Watch the video and find out if I'm lying or not. So, it was, it was a blast, and um, so here's this fucking movie. In honor of our <laughs> of our competition. I don't know if we should apologize to Rudy and Aaron for 
watching this or, you know... It's a big thank you for me because we have finally popped that fucking moonbeam cherry on this show and I'm so excited to talk about this. If you don't know who Full Moon is, um, you should if you're listening to this show, uh, but they are the company, you know, Charles Band, the, 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 the movie mogul producer... And slash director, Full Moon's brought us everything from Puppet Master and Meridian and uh, uh, all of those wonderful, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s, uh, low budget films. Lightning Video, Empire Pictures, that whole thing, all, all of those kind of fall under that uh, Full Moon umbrella. This is when they were still in talks with Paramount. Sorry, I'm going on a fucking huge tangent about the companies and how they're intertwined. So Moonbeam is the the FHE of the Full Moon universe, you know what I mean? So they, they would pump out these children's movies like Josh Kirby Time Warrior which we need to fucking do one day and like Pet Shop and Prehysteria and and you know Magic Island and all this kind of shit you know but they were what was crazy is they were they were in partnership with Paramount for a long time so these these you know these would all come out they're Moonbeam movies but they would come on a Paramount home video so yeah I was already built in with some interest I was like oh dinosaur puppets tell me no more I'm in sign me up Always. And then the the credits start rolling by, and a name pops up that made me drop my phone and whoop out loud. (laughs) And that name was uh, Matt Letcher, who is in The Mask of Zorro, Her, Identity... He's currently in Narcos, and he is one of two actors to play my favorite on-screen supervillain of all time, the Reverse Flash. Welcome to the MDU. Oh my god, I was so excited to see him pop up as a fucking nearly pimply-faced old adolescent. You're gonna have to fucking lay some 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 story ground now about how we get how he goes from this to becoming. Oh well, okay. Here's the thing. Uh, and I already thought about this the moment I laid eyes on him. In the TV show of The Flash, uh, it's kind of an alternate timeline from the DC mainline uh, universe. Reverse Flash goes back in time to kill Barry uh, as a child, so he wouldn't have to deal with him as an adult. Fails, decides to kill his mother. That's kind of in line with the comics. But in doing so, he basically realized that he'd cause a tragedy so epic that Barry would never become the Flash. And in doing so, he loses his connection to the Speed Force. And he spends 15 years there. And my headcanon now is that in the 15 years, you're a man from the future, you need a fucking job. (laughs) He spent the last 15 years as a caddy? Only a few, because then he had to go steal someone's body and run Star Labs under disguise. Who tells bad jokes? Who tells bad jokes? and has not quite learned how to be a real supervillain yet. Just in case you didn't realize, this is the third in the Prehysteria franchise. Third and final as of 2019, according to IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what did you say? That was the only bit of trivia that was on there? Yeah, what a a weird little one there. And I gotta tell you something, like, I feel like this franchise was ripe for some good shit, and without giving too much away yet, like... The dinosaurs take a back seat in this fucking movie. Oh, without a doubt. They're props, which is upsetting. So this movie opens up with like one of those flashback shits. This opening tickled the fuck out of me. I was laughing the whole time. Master Splinter is fucking doing this VO about... I I thought it was the voiceover from (laughs) Zombo.com. Which is an internet treasure. It's still up, and it's just a floating ring of colors, and someone's going, You can do anything at Zombo.com. That's all the website is. Fifteen years ago... There was a bunch of dinosaurs playing in this green ooze. And they were made of innocence and fun. And I gave them all names. Jagger, Hammer, Elvis, Madonna, 
and Paula. Karama, Son Goku. Oh wait, that's Naruto. Wrong show. Ugh. <laughs> Just real quick, if you you know if you guys aren't familiar with prehistory, if listeners aren't familiar, and you guys aren't familiar, um, the first film was like a big success for Moonbeam, um, and it had the kit. Uh, I mentioned this in another episode, uh, in the uh, Lawnmower Man episode, which is pretty funny. The the kid from Last Action Hero is one of the main kids in prehistory, and that film is basically about two kids whose dad is like an archaeologist and he needs to get funding or some shit for some dig. Anyway, he, there's like a rival archaeologist who finds these eggs. It's like the find of the century, right? Pygmy dinosaur eggs. Oh shit. And he accidentally like switches fucking coolers with this guy and brings these eggs home and they hatch and the kids have di- pygmy dinosaur friends. I wanted to break that down a little bit because the whole idea for the first two films is that kids befriend pygmy dinosaurs, can't believe it because it's fucking dinosaurs and that's amazing. And basically have to keep them under wraps because if people find out about them they're gonna get taken people are gonna rat them out and like you know some other some you know they're dinosaurs for christ's sake somebody's gonna come take them away right um and that's like kind of the plot for the first and second movie kind of well the first movie there's a bad guy trying to steal the dinosaurs back because he wants to be rich and the second movie there's a rich kid who befriends the dinosaurs and they kind of help him not be such a upper class asshole and hang out with, like, normal, you know, middle-class children. You want a barometer for how people act to miniaturize dinosaurs in this movie? Uh, you ever, like, sat and watched McDonald's change the sign to, like, the McChicken is now 50 cents? <laughs> That's how people react to dinosaurs in this movie. Oh, hey, cool. I was kind of taken aback because I haven't, like, I, I've seen the first one a bunch of times, and I've seen all three of these films, but I haven't seen, Jesus Christ, I haven't seen two or three since I was since I was a wee lad grown up in Scotland. This movie made me hate Scotland. We'll fucking get to that shit momentarily. But I didn't realize the fucking dinosaurs take such a backseat in this film. It's ludicrous, and I think it's a big problem. It is, because I'm left with th- this human insanity. Yeah, it's fucking bonkers like there's no there's there's some dinosaur hijinks but not really and like nobody's trying to keep them under wraps per se they're just like oh dinosaurs hell of a thing people are talking to them in groups of other people yeah and they're and seemingly nobody else gives a shit no except our main characters and i'm thinking to myself like all right well pre-series three is the jurassic world of the JP series, like, everybody's like, yeah, fucking dinosaurs, big deal. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Uh, where's the mini golf? <laughs> yeah, I'm here for some putt-putt. I'm care. here for some putt-putt and dino burgers. I don't care about your, I don't care about your defiance of science. Basically, that's just out the window. Okay, so, I plot crunched a little bit before, but basically, this movie is about um, this family who owns this shitty uh uh miniature golf course that's like totally overrun with junk because they like turned it into a, a junkyard because dad was a famous golf player and like fucked up a tournament back in the day so he's just been in a depression for the rest of his life and taking it out on his wife and kids and their uncle his brother owns this fucking giant country club complete with golf course like right next to them and basically it, you know uncle hal wants hates his fucking extended family and his brother and wants to buy the mini golf course so he can expand for whatever reason like i don't know he's got like a business proposal with this japanese businessman that we'll get to and that's basically it and then dinosaurs show up he wants to buy this putt course by the way that his extended family lives on yeah they it, it's it's like a caretaker he, they're basically like a caretakers of a graveyard yeah where they have like the house next to it and shit yeah they live there that is their home yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's fucking garbage everywhere. Yeah, this is like a double-double toil and trouble situation here where, like, they have an outstanding bill that they can't possibly pay and it's due at the end of the week or they lose the house. But Uncle Hal is still wanting to purchase it from them question mark first of all i have a good feeling that uncle hal is gonna dump way more into that fucking money pit you know after he buys it anyway it's fucking dump a literal dump straight up so yeah so the movie opens up with like we said with like the like the flashback or the uh the uh the recap of of one and two yeah one and two where the dinosaurs literally fall into a fucking bucket of raisins they, they discovered the food of the gods and they ate the raisins. So these little rascals get caught in like a fucking crate of raisins. Let me ask you a question here real quick, guys. Uh, is this how they really store raisins? Just on the floor and then shovel it in with like with with like spades into a crate? When you go to shovel said raisins off the floor, are you doing it with blindfolds on? Because how did you not see the five dinosaurs eating them off the ground? Oh, that's because the dinosaurs were already in the crate and then were covered with said raisins. And then seemingly packed away. And then somehow, they end up in Mr. Carter's truck. Yeah, what the... Okay, like, is he, like, the cur- the previous owner of those dinosaurs or something? From what I remember... Now, I don't remember him in the second film. He might be, like, right in the beginning of the second film and might, again, come back at the end and be like, Oh, you silly dinos, get back in the crate. But I remember specifically, like, in the first film, the kid, you know, the kid's you know couldn't take care of them or whatever they they were doing something so they so they had this old man like take care of them and like keep them a secret and i believe it's just the same guy across all three films why didn't like they could have like just made this a fucking tv show like if they were smart they could have just had this guy like every episode he goes into a fucking new town right and the fucking dinos help somebody while he's like getting his fucking car fixed or some bullshit and he's none the wiser see that's brilliant and that's basically what this film is but it's just too fucking long for that to work this movie's like an hour and a half of just like it's montages oh dear god the montages the montage is set to some of the worst music i've ever heard oh man it's funny rock godzilla rock and roll godzilla yeah rockzilla a fan of fuck elvis rip off song 1950s guitar rock <laughs> well that was like a big plot point in the first film because kid from last action hero was like a huge fan of elvis that's why the tyrannosaurus is named elvis do you want to just cover that now how these dinosaurs just have these fucking name tags yeah well that was given to them in the first film i'm pretty sure you've got elvis is the t-rex you've got paula what's she supposed to be a brachiosaurus or that's a brachiosaur yeah my favorite puppet oh yeah madonna was a pterodactyl i believe yeah but they don't even fucking address madonna no she's shown like twice for a minute i thought there was only four of these fucking things yeah well, because at one point it's standing, you know, Madonna's standing there and, you know, a character's like reading all the names off the tags, but for some reason just kind of skips over her. Yeah, well, she's like up in a fucking windmill at some point. Yeah, it's like they hammered her to the fucking top of the science, like, you're an advertisement now, dear. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford the stop motion for this one, so you're just going to be regular puppet. And I might get these two backwards, but I want to say the Stegosaurus was Jammer, 
And the Triceratops was Hammer? Jagger. Triceratops was Hammer. The Stegosaurus was Jagger. Oh, Jagger. Like, yeah, Mick Jagger. That makes sense. Yeah. Him and his sister fucking named the dinosaurs after, you know, famous pop stars. They're like the guys at Capcom that worked on Mega Man X. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, these puppets are my favorite thing about the movie, and they're not in it nearly enough. No, it, which is a, which is criminal, because they're all over the first two films. Because they're really, really cool looking. They're shockingly uh, articulated, mm-hmm. and they have charming little personalities and they seem very pleased with themselves every time they have a small victory. (laughs) They're so so excited every time they do something. I was waiting for them every time, and they only come out like three times, maybe. Significantly, anyway. When they escape uh, Mr. Carter's pickup truck or something? Yeah, yeah. There's a quick shot of them like undoing the back of the truck, and it slams down, and the Brachiosaurus just goes, The Brachiosaurus does the old fucking raisin in the gas tank trick and the fucking thing breaks down. (laughs) The fucking car breaks down. I don't fucking understand that. (laughs) Me neither. Taking tips from fucking Axel Foley. And uh, the car breaks down in front of this golf club. And a man who I think thinks he's human and thinks he's from Britain uh, starts accosting Mr. Carter. He's like, I can't say my good man. I'm trying to play my Golf. This is a weird fucking scene because uh, Mr. Uh, what was his name? Cranston or Carter? Is it Cranston? It is Cranston. I'm, I fucked that up. Cranston, he fucking pulls over to the side of the road so everyone can go past him because he gets this fucking raisin in the exhaust pipe. And this fucking British guy like pulls over with him and starts getting in his face. He's like, get off the road. It's like, you're already off the road. He's trying to pull into the fucking golf course. And I'm like, how is this old man blocking you from getting into this golf course? He's on the side of the road. It's a weird fucking scene that kind of goes nowhere. It's just an excuse for like Branson to like go into it with this guy for half a second so the dinos can jump off the back of the truck. Yeah. And to have a to have such a weird ex- like the guy starts harassing him and then he turns around and makes like it's supposed to be a huh, your British joke. I don't even remember what it was. Excuse me, sir. Do you have some gray poupon? And the guy's like, oh, that's real fucking funny. If I was that guy, I'd be like, fucking what? And just drive away. It's like, And just think to myself, like, was he trying to insult me? The dinosaurs seemingly get off this truck. You don't actually see them get off, but they do. And then we cut to oh, good old Uncle Hal fucking making a commercial in his... He's slinging bullshit from the moment we see him. He's like fucking Big Ben from Problem Child. Yeah. That's why you want a franchise. He's trying to sell people pke meters <laughs> only for fucking 89.95 look that's not the most egregious uh uh mis- misrepresenting of technology in this movie okay well you have this this fucking guy you know going on about this you know meter or what have you and it cuts to outside to this little girl uh ella who's talking in a scottish accent but i think it's just implied that she's doing a voice the whole time okay let's just okay i gotta dissect this right here and now Because what the fuck? I do not advocate harming children, but I wanted to hold this girl's head underwater. We have an American girl with an American accent speaking in British, Irish, and Scottish vernacular. And Australian. And Australian, and then claiming to be Scottish. She's like, oh, that was a good blooming shot. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Here, have some haggis. Haggis, this fucking bowl of slop she carries around the whole movie. That shit looked like Sloppy Joe, okay? Top of the morning to you, and I'm like, nope, that's Irish. When she said top of the morning to you, I almost fell out of my fucking chair. I couldn't believe it. And she said something else. Uh, she sa- She's saying, like, 
British, Irish, and Scottish slang like all together and then claiming to be Scottish. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who wrote this shit? I, I wonder how much of that was ad-libbed and they just thought it was cute or how much of it was this guy's fucking own direction. There's a cut scene of someone going like, are you trying to speak Scottish? She's like, no, I'm using the language of the United Great Britain Empire. I was visibly upset, like listening to this little girl speak. I just wrote down, I hate Scotland now after a few minutes. Oh, I don't hate Scotland, but I hate this little girl. <laughs> it was so infuriating the whole movie. I know that's sounds stupid but like it bothered me so much every time her stupid face was on screen saying something dumb like that it's also so jarring and so in your face the whole time is you can't it never fades to the background because this girl is like running from physical peril going like oh have to call me dad to help him save me from this blooming bloody pickle i mean i'm like what the fuck are you saying that was a bony shot turns to the camera and winks we're doing this commercial and fucking uncle hal's fucking again like sean said fucking trying to sell us this goddamn pke meter i thought it was the same company who makes ice cube detectors for titanic 2 <laughs> He's selling Shane Van Dyke. He's like, yeah, 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 the ice ice cube detectors. It'll it'll pick up a golf a golf ball from five hundred yards away. I mean, ice cube, ice cube for five hundred. Here you go. I'll take ten of them. Oh, this will work great on my new ship I'm building. And while he's filming this commercial, uh, yeah, Bill Mosey is the director of this commercial. Um, we're introduced to the uh, Hal's gambling habit yeah he's a he's a he's a compulsive gambler yep uh and he has a catchphrase he repeats the entire film which is uh poise under pressure that's the mark of a champion he's fucking hanging out with seamus from fucking luck of the irish yeah and uh i guess ella is outside narrating to herself again uh and is just playing golf and smashes this fucking ball i'm going to get to birdie and then an eagle and then bloomin that was a bloomin shot i just did there okay Laddie. And after she hits her shot, <laughs> here comes fucking Matt Letcher, uh, who goes by the name of Needlemire in this movie. This ball, by the way, that she hits crashes through the fucking window where Hal's doing the commercial and just, like, lands at his feet. And he picks it up and finishes the commercial and then everyone walks away and he crushes it with his bare hands. He says, purple titleist. This must be my niece's fucking bitch. And he crushes the fucking ball in his hand. He turns it into dust. And then I'm like, oh shit, this guy's a maniac. Uh, also, at some point in between um, Matt Letcher uh, showing up as a Needlemeyer and him crushing the ball, someone calls their truck Baby. And I was like, oh man, the MDU's all with this fucking movie. Uh-oh. We know what happens when you call your car baby. It was John Hurt in disguise, okay? He's like, I got free Hysteria 3 right here. Which is where Reverse Flash would steal the face-swapping technology to use against Harrison Wells in Season 1 of The Flash. That's what happened. There you go. But right now, right now, he looks like fucking Doogie Howser. The stress of time travel sucked all the muscle mass off of him and apparently uh, and made him younger by 10 years. Well, they're wearing him in, like, these two or three other guys i guess this is like the caddy uniform they look like they're working at the fucking circus or the county fair they got like these red uniforms on with these white stripes going down them and they got like these fucking hats that have like wire on top of them it looks like they look like tweedledee and tweedledum yeah literally they look like they work at the hungry heifer <laughs> yeah kinda i was waiting for the music to kick in yeah <laughs> hungry we won't give you a speedster. Yeah, so they're fucking harassing this little girl because she's, like, playing golf on her uncle's golf course. And they're like, yeah, we got to take out the fucking trash. And you're fucking trash. Well, they keep calling, like, her, her fucking golf course the mini the mini putt-putt. They're like, ah, yeah, it's, it should be called McGregor. 
Yeah. <laughs> like making fart sounds. And she's like, ah, that's, that's repulsive. And there's a fucking guy. There's like one of his cronies is in a golf cart sipping on a fucking wine cooler. We're doing that throughout this whole film. What is that, like hard cider or some shit? Everybody's drinking? Well, she runs over. She runs over to her fucking brother to try to escape these guys. And I guess he works there, and he's got his shirt open sunbathing. <laughs> this fucking guy. Did he... Okay. I wanted to smack this fucking guy. He's like a weeb from online. He refers to money as yen at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what an asshole. I'm surprised you could get that much out of him because every scene he's in for a minute comprises of his communications basically tubular, tubular, cowbunga, dude, bro, bro. This guy morphs into three different people. And right now he's Andrew Keegan with his fucking shirt open. Yeah, and he like he kind of reminds me of like Ryder Strong from like early Boy Meets World. Kinda. Yo, Andrew Keegan is the guy from Full House that like was dating DJ. Oh, I'm sorry, not DJ Stephanie, because she's got the friend. Uh, what the fuck's her name? Tia. I have no idea. I don't remember Full House that much. I didn't like it. I just remember Uncle Joey jumping off that fucking balcony on the last episode. That's all I really remember. <laughs> He was also in Camp Nowhere and shit. If you saw him, you'd be like, oh, that fucking guy. Like, yeah, her brother's like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm sunbathing, bitch. And these fucking caddies are chasing her throughout the golf course, like, out for blood. Yeah, and she runs away, and they, and he even says to her, he's like, why are you talking all fucking weird Scottish shit, you fucking stupid idiot? And she's like, ah, 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 ah. Yeah. From that second, I was like, oh, okay, so she's just American trying to be Scottish, like, putting on an act. <laughs> So these caddies roll up on him, and they're like, hey, motherfucker. He's like, what do you think you're doing? Meanwhile, now, Sean just painted this picture for you, but this kid is supposed to be caddying, and he has his shirt open. He's, like, sunbathing with, like, his hair down, kicking it with his fucking socks and shoes off. And uh, these guys are like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? He's like, button up your shirt, tuck in your shirt, and cut your fucking hair, man. You you can't you can't walk around this caddy place like that. Would you fucking crazy or some shit? You're not square enough. Yeah, and I'm like, what is this? The army or some shit? And he's got that classic fucking '90s haircut, the surfer like bowl cut. Yeah, it's the one that someone has to continuously wipe from their face because it's just a mess. And it's wavy. You know, he's got that wavy hair that everybody wanted, that I wanted. Yeah, I say that coming off of, like, five years where I consistently grew my hair out and had, like, the exact same haircut. Okay, now you gotta understand, now this is Hal's nephew, the guy who owns this resort. So he works for his uncle, right? So the brother's like, oh, don't cut my hair. I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal. I'll narc on my sister. And they're like, hey, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Okay, great. That's a very confusing deal. It's weird. It's fucking weird. Is this like the only job in town? I guess so. Why would you work for your uncle who's trying to buy your house? Because you're lazy and you don't feel like actually like getting in a car and driving. You just fucking wake up and walk across the green grass. Well, you can't work for dad because dad's not working. Because dad's working for his brother too. But that fucking hair's taking him to Hollywood, man, as soon as he gets that guitar. Oh, totally. We also introduced us to side characters who I referred to as, uh... A bunch of little uh, Harvey Dangerfields, the band. <laughs> they all look like 90s alternative rock front men. The flagpole kiddos. Yeah. <laughs> the camera cuts on this kid, and I swear to God, I thought it was the fucking professor from Monster in the Closet. <laughs> He's totally there. Smoking a fucking bubble pipe and everything. Get this motherfucker a crunch bar. They're sitting there like, we're rich and life is 
terribly boring. Every morning we play Marco Polo in the pool and then piss in the waiting area. And then we come here and play bridge while our parents play golf all day. Oh, Heathcliff, don't you think this is getting a bit boring? No, Barnaby, it's the same routine every day. Meanwhile, Ella literally fucking crawls in front of them and they're like, huh, little action. Right after this exchange from these kids, we cut directly back to the brother and he goes i'm gonna put suntan lotion on your battery cables and then it cuts back to these kids like somebody fucked up the edit and like didn't put that at the end of the last scene and just stuck it in here yeah it it blew my mind because i was like what 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 just happened and it's important information for later so this is before i realized that this girl lived on the golf course so like she's running around and it cuts to her like running up that little part of the uh the castle uh hole and i was like i just wrote down like go home you dumb girl and i was like oh that is your home well first she's got to pull the old kevin McAllister move connor she's got to drop the golf balls all over to trip these fuckers up <laughs> she sure does eobard's holding back he could kill this girl with a single blow and then she gets cornered by her uncle yeah this isn't creepy at all this is fucking weird there is some borderline creepy shit in this movie he's basically just like you're a fucking disgrace i hate you i hate your dad who's my brother i hate your whole family you're not even my family i don't want to call you my family i'm going to shoot you in the face with this pesticide canister yeah is that what we're doing you're gonna shoot your your fucking 10 year old niece in the face with fucking pesticide i i mean he totally would have if these fucking dinos didn't show up out of nowhere i'll say lo and behold the true heroes of the film show up yeah so yeah elvis is shown uh undoing his laces and then at some point it cuts down and shows his laces are tied together and then i think he like goes to run he falls and then this brachiosaurus head just pops up center frame and goes (laughs) (laughs) the brachiosaur bites the hose so the shit doesn't come out and he you know he does the whole looking down the fucking barrel of the gun and then shoots himself in the fucking face with it because the the dinosaur then he lets she lets it go this is the point in the movie where the ambulance comes and he's fucking carted away in a body bag and the movie ends (laughs) Ella's family gets to keep their fucking mini golf course, and the other place gets sold, I guess, to her family because they're the next closest relatives? What What happened to Uncle Hound? DDT. I don't know. Dinosaurs. Dino DDT. <laughs> Dino DDT. This is the first time someone lays eyes on a dinosaur and doesn't blink. I don't think anybody sees the dinosaurs yet. Does she see them yet? She doesn't even see them. I have a whole theory on that. I think this is the part of the MDU where people don't look down. If, like, something's out of frame, they don't see it. It's kind of like the baby's uh, day out universe. Ah, okay, that makes sense. You know, like, remember when the reporter bent down, you could see the baby in frame of the camera but no one noticed that it was fucking hanging out there same kind of thing they don't see the dinos if they're not looking right at them right it's like kel mitchell and mystery men you know if everyone's looking at him he can't turn invisible (laughs) (laughs) this is a horrifying universe we've developed i gotta say it is it's scary out there this is our first montage uh, that lasts, um, I don't know, I, I, at least a good three minutes. It had to be. Where we established this fucking junkyard mini golf course. Holy shit. We're fading into these shots and just holding on static shots of garbage for three minutes. Tell this fucking, like, zany fucking tune that keeps playing throughout this whole goddamn movie. This fucking mini golf course looks like it had a fucking bomb hit it or something. It's like just rubble all over the place. It looks like a fucking post-apocalyptic future. Like, I'm I'm waiting for the fucking hardware soundtrack to kick up. This is what you want. 
This is what you get. Like, imagine actually trying to play that course, like, if you didn't, like, clean it up first. Actually, it'd be kind of a cool golf course if you did slap on. They're like, no, it's post-apocalyptic golf. You gotta play with all the shit that's in the way. You gotta play with the chicken wire and fucking scrap metal all over the place. Play it as it lies. You just see some guy, like, off on the side with a shotgun and some, like, body armor on. It's like, oh, what, what's what's that guy do? Oh, you know, while you're playing, occasionally he comes out and shoots you in the head. <laughs> Oh, well, okay, is that legal? Oh, uh, yeah, you need to sign a release form. This is part of the, you know, the full experience. And then he, and then he fucks your corpse. What? What's his name? His name is Corpse Fucker. <laughs> the aptly named Corpse Fucker. What's his job? What do you mean, what's his job? He, he fucks your corpse. I don't feel comfortable with my wife uh, playing in this game now. <laughs> <laughs> Moments later, you just hear the wife off screen. Yeah, you know, he wasn't kidding. He does fuck the corpse. You better get that hole in one. I'm leaving a single woman today. It's just like people go to this golf course whenever they think their significant other is cheating on them. They're just, you know, try to trap them into the situation. <laughs> they leave a user review, like your golf course is outstanding, your customer service is amazing, and Corpse Fucker is a very, is a very nice man. Five stars on Yelp. Your dino burgers are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Corpse fucker's a great conversationalist. Michael Berryman's there giving you your putter and your fucking golf balls. I mean, if you pay a premium price, you can have Think come out and hold your golf balls. It's just one of those kind of wacky places. You don't expect it till you get there. And when you're there, you're, you know, it blows you away every time. Yeah, little dinosaurs, uh, Michael Berryman, metal, garbage. The dinosaurs are like a bonus, but nobody pays attention to them. No, they're there for Corpse fucker. Yeah. Corpse fucker gets people in the door, but dinosaurs make you stay. <laughs> yeah, so Ella, she like skips home through this fucking little mini golf course that's been, you know, blown up. She's, like, singing Irish hymns and shit as she comes into the house. She's supposed to be Scottish. What is this jargon she's fucking pumping out? Does she even know what the fuck she's talking about? No. I'm surprised she didn't just start chomping down on a piece of fucking uh, Irish soda bread and call it a day. She's supposed to be Scottish, and she's convinced it's Scottish. And she's going to remind you that for the rest of the movie when she gets to her house. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you something. Her parents are really well-put-together people. Um... Okay, Fred Willard is her father in this movie. And he's out of his mind. <laughs> what the fuck is this? What is this contraption that's attached to his door? Does anybody understand what the fuck this was supposed to be? From what I understand, the door just makes noises. So what is with all the ball bearings and him in this fucking workshop in the back room? How is this connected? I don't get it. I don't know what he's trying to do with the ball bearings. That doesn't make any fucking sense. But I'm pretty sure he's, he's servicing the golf carts from his brother's, you know, country club. And mom is a uh, trailer park version of uh, Lydia Dietz's mom from Beetlejuice. <laughs> with a JFK fucking head sculpture with a hole in it. I have to address the JFK statue sculpture real quick because this was shown and I was like, there's no way you're going to let me forget about that statue by the end of this movie. Came back in such a way that I could have never imagined. The fucking balls. My fucking jaw was on the floor. I know, I'm like, what the fuck? We're gonna get to it, but like, this movie makes some references that has- This is a children's film. This is a children's movie, and not only are you referencing movies that are so far out of your league, you're referencing movies that children who are watching this should have no business watching. Like, do you think he's just, he was just like, fuck it, Pre-Stereo 3? Fuck it, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I just came off making fucking Puppet Master 3, so there you go, question mark. So I guess, like like you're saying, like, maybe, yeah, just the, the squeaky screen door just kind of drives him insane, but yeah, he has these ball bearings that he's working on, I guess, with- the fucking golf carts or something. Yeah. And he hears the fucking, the door squeak and he drops all his fucking shit because I guess it distracts him. And this is like a running gag. You know, he's got PT, spoiler, he's got PTSD from this fucking match that 
uh, from this golfing because he was like a, one of the best amateur golfers like of all time or something. So we're told. Uh, during the match, he hear, he heard this, some kind of squeak of an animal or some shit and uh, missed the putt and lost. He's like, ah, I fucking hate golf. In the tournament that he faced his brother and who's out to get all his fucking money and no one puts this together that it's a little strange. Yeah, exactly. For how many years? Yeah, since day fucking one. Ella comes in and, and dad's, he's like, he's like, I don't want you to play golf. Golf is bullshit mind you the parents are speaking just regular english with regular accents like u.s accents well her mom sounds like she's fucked up on quaaludes or ecstasy or something the entire film she's smoking the whole fucking time and she's slipping out in and out of a fucking new york accent did anybody else pick that up she slips in and out of a new york accent and then slides into bodacious californian surfer accent <sighs> What the fuck is going on there? We'll get to that. But, like, dad is fucking crazy, and dad's, like, running around, waving his arms over his head in his fucking overalls, talking about the evils of mini golf. He looks like Jordy Verrill. And mom's always got, like, some shit tied around her head, and she's, like, welding something. Like, she's like a spiritualist making metal art or some shit. She's like, this one I called Monster Descending the Stairs. Go get a fucking job, and maybe you wouldn't be losing your house. Clean up your fucking golf course, for Christ's sake. So dad's like, oh, I don't want you playing fucking golf. He's like, here, I bought you this nice bike. What? You know, instead of trying to be Scottish, even though you're not Scottish, you're, you're American, He, uh, why don't you try being French like your mom, even though she's not French either, she's American, uh, and, 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 and fucking ride this bike and do Tour de France. Hey, Dad, if we're in debt, how'd you buy me a bike? <laughs> exactly. Mom made it. You'll be saying bonjour instead of top of the morning, and I'm like, that's fucking Irish, not Scottish, dumbass. Also, bonjour is still not French. Try again. <laughs> Calm down there, Mr. Gorlami. <laughs> I was saying that before. I was like, I was like, this is like if I went around talking like this, and I was like, oh, pizza pie, uh, muta de mozzarella. It really is like Brad Pitt from Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, a riverderci. Is this the uh, point in the film where Ella just decides to carry around a bucket of haggis for like ninety minutes? This is her after-school snack. I guess she comes out with a fucking bucket of haggis and he's like, well, what the fuck is that? And she's like, uh, it's haggis, dad. And he's like, that's disgusting. Barf. Well, it looks like fucking diarrhea. In his defense, haggis is gross. It's delicious. P.S. It's okay. Look, maybe you have a taste for it. However, purely from a consistency and texture standpoint, get it the fuck out of my face. That never bothers me. And I get that. Like with some people that can't eat things because of the way that it feels, but it's delicious. Fred Willard says that stuff belongs in a bedpan, though. I would concur. It's hard to argue. <laughs> then we have like five minutes of fucking golf facts. They're popping up like pop-up fucking video throughout this whole movie that she's like... Pop-up funnies? So let me tell you a little bit about golf. Back in the day, golf was invented in Scotland. Okay. He was invented by a Scottish guy, and he fell into a hole. He was bitten by a radioactive golf ball, and hence the game of golf was created. So Hal uh, shows up. He, he brings brother home. And, uh, of course, even though this guy hates his extended family, he just kind of hangs out for a few minutes and just bullshits and busts their balls. He's like prune. He just comes in to fucking come in and ask for the bill. That's exactly correct. He's like, oh, hey, loser brother. What's up with your loser house and your ugly child? And he's like, oh, hello, loser wife. What are you making? She's like a fucking sculpture of you and your dumb shirt. They must be selling like fucking hotcakes. Ahem. 
Yeah. Kidding, you poor. She's like, I still made fun of you. Asshole ascending a staircase. Is that what she names that sculpture? And it's like wearing the same shirt as he is. Creature descending a staircase. And it's like a fucking cash register for a head <laughs> with his stupid shirt and like metal shit for his arms and legs. I'm like, that's actually a funny gag. Chris Lilly's fucking it off screen. <laughs> Uncle Hugger, you get your dick out of that statue. My dick. He's going in that cash register. My dick, my dick, my dick, my dick, my dick. Ella is just, like, fucking around this little mini golf course that... Hold on. She fucking throws haggis at her uncle because he's being a dick. Good. He deserves it. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, that's it. That's where you get that tidbit where he's like, he's like, guess what? Brother, you're not gonna fucking work on my golf carts anymore. And guess what? Your fucking house is being sold at the end of the fucking week, and you better sell it to me first. Bye. If my ancestor's name wasn't Phineas J. Prune, I'll have your house by the end of the week. What did he say? What's life without a few good gambles, eh? Boys under pressure. <laughs> and then this little girl's playing fucking bagpipes, wandering through the wasteland of the mini golf course. And she finds some friends in the brush. Oh, that's right. She finds the fucking dinosaurs and she has no reaction. Yep. That object permanence went right out the window when she saw the fucking brachiosaur before. Because all of a sudden she's like, look at you, you little beasties. Wowzers. Oh, little blasts and lassies or whatevers. Yeah. Then she reads her names out loud. Uh, and she kind of like. She's like, you're mine now, and just bundles them up. <laughs> well, she goes like, you know, she puts two and two together and was like, oh, you're named after musicians. And then she's like, ah, you know, my favorite kind of music is Scottish marching band. And they all were like rolling their fucking dino eyes like, okay. Too bad none of you are named Rod Stewart, she says. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Or the greatest rock band ever, the Bay City Rollers. So in like the matter of minutes, uh, these dinos just like understand her plight and start clearing away the rubble so that she can play a fucking couple of holes. Although it doesn't take long for her to miss a shot and then for the Triceratops to go like, yeah, you suck. Well, the T-Rex, fucking uh, Elvis, he takes like the end of a fucking vacuum cleaner or something and whacks his ball in no problem, hole in one. <laughs> It's like a brace for a fucking shelf. That's what that thing is. Oh yeah, yeah, up there like the because it's like a it's a it's a ramp that goes up and through a castle and then out the back into a hole. And I swear to God, I thought this girl was gonna make the shot next, but no, we had to see this three to four fucking times afterwards to make sure you really got that she did it on her own. Holy shit, man! Repeating shots is is a cardinal sin. This movie commits a lot. This goes on for like five fucking minutes. She only makes it in the first time because Paula sticks her fucking neck out and like rebounds it into the hole. Oh. Oh, you little beastie, help me. This is more fun than a Sean Connery film festival. I have bad news for you, Ella. Sean Connery, <laughs> especially now at your age, especially now at his age, um, he'd probably sooner uh, smack your ass than give you a golf lesson, okay? <laughs> oh my goodness. Bony shot, old chap. I mean her as an adult. I don't mean her as a child. Her as a child, he'd be like, get out of my face and clean something, you stupid girl. She has a fucking picture of Sean Connery and Ms. Bond fucking get up over her bed. It is so creepy knowing what we all know about Sean Connery now because he's such a fucking womanizing piece of shit. She consults with a picture of Sean Connery. Oh, Sean, what do I do? She's like, oh, Mr. Connery. And he's like, shut up. Then do we, do we not see putter in a big block of stone like fucking Exc Excalibur? Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, I, I actually pushed that memory out of my head as soon as I, you know, got done watching this movie. It took me a second because, like, first she, un like, the metal was being moved from the dinosaurs, and then she's like, eh, what's this? The rock? Uh, putter? <laughs> <laughs> we found 
I later how it gets there, and everything just falls apart in my brain, because I'm like, wait, what? It does read like a stupid golf myth. Uh, uh, yeah. <sighs> oh, my goodness. And then King Arthur of 18 Holes slammed his butter into the stone. Yeah, like, let, let's be clear here. Like, this isn't just a, a fucking club in a stone. It is literally supposed to be, like, a putter in the stone, like, sword in the stone, like, straight up. Yeah. Like, Gabriel Byrne got angry and slammed his sword into the fucking stone because no one should have Excalibur but him, okay? Only those who are worthy can take the putter from the stone. Should he be worthy whose name is Thor, lift this putter? Possibly. Or Steve. <laughs> We're talking like Kid and Phil Mickelson's court here, guys. <laughs> you know, she finds this fucking thing, and she's like studying it, and all of a sudden her father comes out, uh, and, and he's like, ah, get away from that thing, why are you uncovering that? And he's like ranting and raving about how he doesn't want her over there, and he doesn't want her playing golf. And then again, because these dinosaurs have telepathy of some kind, they just, uh, they know, hey, you know, dad's being an asshole, let's fuck with him. And they, <laughs> they just fucking trip him. Fucking Elvis rolls a fucking golf ball under him, and he busts his ass. And he's like, what the fuck is that? It looks like a dinosaur. Oh, you know what? It's a rat. Why are we calling these fucking dinosaurs rats in this movie? Yeah, they look nothing like rats. Not at all. Not even fucking close. And also, he looks up and sees Madonna and says, that must be a fucking rat. And I'm like, she looks like a bird. It's a fucking pterodactyl. What are you talking about? Then we get the payoff on that fucking joke from uh, Heath earlier in the film about these, uh... This fucking golf cart being sabotaged because you see these two fucking Tweedledee and Tweedledummers fucking pushing their golf cart up this hill. Look, Eobard could not race along the entire golf course with his two friends. He would kill them. The G-Force alone would snap their necks. He has to walk. Have you carried a man at, at, at speedster levels of speed, okay? They would turn to mush. Can't give himself away. He's like Magneto. Yeah, exactly. He has to blend in for 14 more years. Well, we go from this to fucking this uh, Needlemire character talking to Hal. Yeah. And Hal has this big client in town, Mr. Yamamoto from Japan. Yep. Domori Gato, Mr. Yamamoto. I feel like I've seen this entire plot for this character in a different movie. Oh, I was just about to bring that up. We're doing that a lot in the mid-90s. There's always Japanese businessmen. Who don't say a fucking word, who then turn out to be like jovial jokesters by the end, who like one specific weird thing tied to the main characters. Exactly. It's, it's all, all over the place in the 90s. And then at some point, one of them will go, Godzilla! Don't need it. But yeah, like, he's talking to this Yamamoto character in Needlemire, uh, uh, Reverse Flash, is giving Hal, like, these bad jokes to tell him, but he can't get a rise out of this guy, because he's just peering out the window, staring at this putt, golf, uh, putt course, and doesn't say a word. Yeah. He goes, he's as cold as sushi, he hasn't said a word. <laughs> oh my god, and fucking, Hal's like, you want some sake? I, I was waiting for, like, the other shooter drop, the whole movie, of, like, the last scene between, like, Hal and this, this businessman is like, yeah, by the way, I speak English, and you're a fucking moron. Yeah, you're you're a real asshole. Okay, that's what I was expecting because I feel like I've seen that in another movie where, like, I can't remember the film, but the reveal was, like, I speak English very well. Yeah, it's called Rush Hour. Well, there's that one, too, but I feel like there was a different, it was like a comedy where it, there, was a, there was a Japanese businessman who was like, you've insulted me the entire time and wouldn't communicate with me in, in, a, in, a, in a, an intelligent way. Like, so I haven't spoken to you. Yeah. Yeah, it was some um, suburban commando. Was it really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Or you're right at the the fabled lost episode of Movie Dumpster. For those that don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Holy shit. I'm going to reopen that wound. Yeah, that fucking Christopher Lloyd's boss is talking to that Japanese guy the whole time. Making really racist uh, Japanese jokes, if I recall. I mean, it's been a while. Oh, that's right. There's a group of them, and none of them would speak. Yes. And he was just making a jackass of himself. Yeah, so they just wouldn't, they, they just could look at each other the whole time. Yeah. So Niedermeyer's like, look, look, he's fucking Japanese. You got to, you didn't, not all, they don't want to be all business, man. You got to fucking, you got to warm him up with a joke. So he's like, he's like, Mr. Yamamoto, why does Arnold Palmer wear two sweaters? Just in case he gets a hole in one. <laughs> See, these look like bad jokes, but what it really is, is Eobard Thawne using his knowledge of the future to ensure that Hal becomes a failure because he doesn't need that kind of opposition in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get him out of the way now. <laughs> Gotta make sure he doesn't make that deal with Yamamoto. Gotta make sure the timeline stays intact. The thing, too, is Yamamoto, he's, like, looking outside in the direction of where this uh, mini putt course is, where the McGregors live, and Hal's, like, convinced that the reason why he's not talking is because he's he's not thrilled at this, like, shitty fucking run-down golf course is, like, right next to this nice golf course that Hal owns. That's, like, you know, in his head, that's what he thinks is going on. I had this fucking nut cracked from this scene. I was like, he likes the mini golf course. Yep. Straight up. That was, that was my thing too i was like oh yeah he, he likes that thing every twist in this movie is telegraphed so <laughs> why wouldn't yamamoto be like all right fuck off i'm gonna get that i don't know the same reason why the dad fucking watches this fucking tape for 30 years <laughs> and doesn't put it together until the last five minutes of this film like yamamoto fucking loves dirty hamburgers instead of sushi yeah those gross hamburgers cooked by a fucking dinosaur <laughs> On no visible grill. With that said, though, like, let's be honest here. Like, Hal's kind of a dickhead for just assuming this guy eats sushi only. Like, yeah. come on, my guy. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, you're Japanese? You want sushi, right? Well, he's, he's from Japan. This is his favorite. Honestly, I'm sure a Japanese businessman would be thrilled to have fucking cheeseburgers because I'm sure every business uh, meeting he goes to, it's like, would you like sushi? It's like, no, you give me a fucking hot dog or something. <laughs> So, I believe this is where we get Dad's origin story from Mom, who I think was rolling on ecstasy this entire scene. Let me tell you something. This bitch had just finished that joint. Just finished it. Yeah, she's like, Mom, why does Dad hate golf? And she's like, dude, sit down. Let me tell you the story, all right? See, he was like totally the best greatest golf player you've never seen. I'd follow him, I'd follow him around like a fucking Fish concert, man. It was dope. So anyway, your dad was totally awesome. And like, he totally fucked it up. He was going against your uncle. And he fucking... (coughs) 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 And he fucked it up. The moment she says to Ella that... Hey, your dad was in a tournament against your uncle, and he heard some kind of bird or loud squeak right as he was about to swing and lost concentration. Me, the viewer at home, said, oh, okay, I pegged this one. Here's the kicker of this whole story. She makes art out of the garbage that they put 
in the scrapyard, which is the miniature golf course. So it's like this perpetual shit. Like, they, they made their own misery, basically. Oh, they're the authors of their own sadness. Yeah, straight up. And I'm like, why did you do that? She's dealing with it in a better way than he is, but she's certainly adding to the situation by taking this stuff yeah that is literally dumped on them and perpetuating its existence by turning it into to glorified garbage so the first instance of her art was that hundred year old fucking golf club because she's the one who put it in a giant block of concrete and stuck it in the golf course. Well, she goes from explaining this fucking story to, hey, help me with this brachiosaurus I made. <laughs> Got nothing to do with the small dinosaurs you may not have found. Oh, by the way, have you found small dinosaurs? I, you know, I thought I saw a dinosaur, but I, th I was on mushrooms last night, so I guess, I, I don't know, it just came to me. Yeah, like, was this a way of saying, like, oh yeah, she's seen them too? No. But, like, but, dur but during this scene, Hammer is swimming around in a fucking cooler having the time of his life. <laughs> I don't think anybody actually acknowledges the dinosaurs except Ella and her dad. No, people definitely acknowledge them. Are you sure? Because we go from this to her fucking, like, cleaning up this goddamn place and then opening it up and selling, you know, people games to play here and she's fucking selling the haggis. She sells them to the, uh, the flagpole, uh, uh, sitters. The kiddos. The flagpole kiddos, I'm sorry. <laughs> You can see the fucking dinosaurs working on making the food, and everyone's, like, smiling and pointing They've at them. They've got little fucking chef hats. <laughs> they got little chef hats on making fucking haggis burgers. They're not haggis burgers. They're dino burgers. Dino burgers. Not yet. It's not dino putt yet. She, she's like, that'll be $5 to play on the course. This kid hands her a fucking 20. He's like, oh, let me make change. She sticks the fucking 20 in the hammer's mouth. And he does what a dinosaur would do, which is bite it in half. Now... These dinosaurs know exactly what they're doing because they're they're cooks. You know, they're making fucking haggis. Yeah, they're making haggis all right, though. But, like, the, the, the problem is they are not telling Ella what the secret ingredient is. It's their fucking stool. It's a big pile of shit. They came off a truck full of fucking raisins. Of course they're shitting all over the place. That's totally a joke in the second movie. Eating raisins, drinking prune juice. They're shitting all over the place. Corpse fuckers gotta clean all the poop up all the time. Corpse fucker does not clean up poop. Corpse fuckers hit a fuck corpses. Anyway, they ripped this $20 bill in half. And it's like, what do you expect the fucking dinosaur to do? She's like, oh, you silly goose. You didn't make change the right way. <laughs> well, that 20's gone. Yeah, slam cut to fucking Elvis with the chef's hat on, just slopping this stuff onto a plate with a fucking spoon. With his barely visible hands because it's T-Rex and, like, he's already miniaturized, so his hands are extra useless. <laughs> yeah. And here's the part that kills me. After all this, she cleans this whole fucking place out. She's literally making money off of this now. You know, in, in her mind, gonna help pay for the fucking loan that, you know, of course, much like you know, double, double toil in trouble, it'll never cover the amount. But she's trying. No, no fucking way. Not in a week. She's got the right idea, though. Yeah, it's something. And her dad comes out and he's like, what's this malarkey? I hate golf. I hate making money. You might help me save the house. Into the mode I go. She's trying to raise money to save the home, but she's probably spending more money buying all this fucking haggis because it's not like it's a cheap item. No, where are you going to fucking find cheap stomach? I guess at the butcher, but how? that shit's pretty expensive in the middle of fucking nowhere. Does she have like a 
line of them in the basement, and she's got the gun, and she's just killing them down there, like fucking what's his face from it. She's killing groundhogs, and they're like, yeah, it's a Tagus. Uh, sure, it's sheep stomach. She's got a cloning machine downstairs, just keeps fucking blowing the same sheep away week in week out. <laughs> oh my god, that is a terrible life. It's a living. <laughs> Not exactly great above the basement. Yeah, you know, downstairs shoot sheep, clone sheep. Upstairs, it's like dad's crazy, mom's crazy. I mean, at least I have dinosaurs. So dad gets out of the fucking moat, and the rich kids are like, dad was hilarious. I get a show and play golf. Welp, see you tomorrow. Bye. And uh, he confronts Ella and he's like, what the fuck do you think you're doing playing golf and you're making money and blah, blah, blah. She's like, but dad, it's it's helping us. The beasties are helping us do the laddie thing and we're Scotland and golf. We're going to save the house. And he's like, beasties? I hate fucking animals too. And he looks down and there's dinosaurs in front of him. The man says, ah, oh, are those dinosaurs? <laughs> and then never says anything again. Like, not like, this is amazing. This is this is a miracle of nature. This shouldn't be a thing. Okay, it's dinosaurs is one thing, but it's dinosaurs working in tandems to use simple machinery. Yes, they are wearing hats, for Christ's sake. They're teacup-sized on top of that. It's not like there's just a T-Rex walking around. This isn't Tammy and the fucking T-Rex. This is like a little tiny one with a chef's hat on. It's a chihuahua-sized stegosaurus who's using a fucking handsaw. Honestly, for all the money he's losing on haggis, he could at least, you know sell their fucking manure after they shit it out and maybe make a little bit of profit. And he's so nonplussed, he's like, oh, another thing to add to this crappy day. Yeah, he's like, great, I hate golf and I hate animals and here's both of them. And then he's like, what, you, you, wait a second, you want me to play golf and keep these fucking dinosaurs as pets? And then he's like, oh, dinosaurs? Golf? Dino putt! Cha-ching! And I'm like, okay, let's exploit these fucking pygmy dinosaurs. <laughs> these fucking, these pygmy dinosaurs who have far more work ethic and intelligence than you clearly do. <laughs> Who've been extinct for millions of years. Who, who are more motivated, and your daughter, who's trying to help you, uh, all put this shit together, and you come in at the last second and just prey on this concept. Oh, yeah, but this is a Tuesday for these little critters. They're just like, yeah, we're making haggis today. Spilling on each other and shit. Of course, like, Paula has the fucking mop in her mouth, and she's fucking cleaning shit. Well, you know, this is one of our many montages. This scene goes on for, I don't know, two, three, four, five minutes. This is the whole Godzilla rock song. Oh, yeah. It's the whole fucking thing. This montage literally has to last fucking ten minutes. It's gotta. It's it's the entire it's like cleaning this place up in real time and making all the new props. And somehow fitting in Elvis and Paula doing their American Gothic impression. Just randomly shoved in there. Oh, yeah. There's like little dino hijinks in between. You could miss the really, really great special effects work in these dinosaurs because they're featured so little. Yeah. But there was a shot of, I think it's Elvis, standing on the side of one of the the, the, the railings of the, the holes. And, like, I'm watching, I'm like, that's, like, either really good stop-motion animation or, like, excellent animatronics. Like, that little thing is super articulate and emoting and all kinds of shit, and I'm like, and I never get to fucking see it. This is when Full Moon slash Moonbeam gave a shit about their uh, puppets, uh, because... It, yeah, these things are breathing like you can see them breathing um their mouths moves their eyes blink the whole body moves they're really good puppets they have very notable body language yeah and like for the scenes where it's just uh paula who's like working the fucking grill like she's got a little tiny spatula in her hand and shit and she's flipping burgers <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome it's so good 
Can we just? I'm gonna recut this movie of just the dinosaurs making food <laughs> and building things. They're serving it to the critters. <laughs> They're hanging out at the Hungry Heifer, man. They're working there, man. They're helping out the Krites. Yeah, and after this eternity of a montage, um, we uh, meet this coked-out British guy for the second time. And the brother is his caddy. Yeah, and uh, he makes a comment as uh, as Reverse Flash uh, walks by. He's like, where's your golf cart? And Eobard's like, I could kill you right now. <laughs> the the British guy's like yelling at him. He's like, he's like, he's like, shut up. He's like, I'm trying to fucking, I'm trying to play my fucking game. What are you talking about? And he's, well, that was kind of Australian. But anyway, he's like. That was Sam Neill. What? <laughs> So the brother, like, freaks out on this dude. He's like, you know what? Fuck you, man, you fucking twink. And he throws his golf clubs down? Yeah, well, what the fuck? I don't know. What is that supposed to mean? It's fucked up. Um, and then goes to work with his dad, and dad's like, put on this fucking dinosaur suit and go wave down drivers. <laughs> well, he wants to go work with dad, who's dressed like fucking Fred Flintstone, and, you know, mom and daughter are like pebbles. Holy shit, man. Gotta really sell the effect. So we then we drop the whole fucking... Scottish thing for a little for a little while. Yeah. And then Ella's dressed like Topanga from Boy Meets World. Yes. We we get our, you know, I believe I can fly fucking moment. <laughs> Where, you know, she's out there practicing the mini putt. Yeah, you know, it's nighttime after the, you know, the fir- the full day of festivities. And Fred Willard, he's, like, looking out the fucking bathroom door, you know, out the bathroom window while he's taking a shit, like, giving fucking tips. And then he starts with the fucking Scottish shit again. He's like, oh, I, I, gee. He's like, oh, you know. He's, like, saying Scottish shit. You know, they're focusing on this 18th hole. You know, this is the one that Elle is practicing on. And, and you kind of have to picture it. It's, it's like this metal contraption that kind of looks like a, a triceratops where a mouth opens and kind of like the beam that the ball travels on kind of goes up and down up and down so you get to time your shot and then it comes out like the back of the dinosaur the tail kind of lifts up it farts there's a literal sound effect for it and it shits out this ball yeah and i guess it's like almost a guaranteed hole in one unless you just don't hit it hard enough i guess he's like oh you want a little bit of the ginger and i'm like ginger beer like you can't give this kid beer, are you? And he's like, yep, here you go. Fresh from Scotland or whatever. And she's like, oh, that's my favorite. Top of the morning to you, dad Here's the thing I don't get. Maybe I just don't know what the fuck they're drinking, but he says something about ginger, hands her prune juice, says, and then she says, oh, that's my favorite, and then cut to Paula trying to drink the prune juice, playing up the joke that they like raisins. I just like the idea of a dinosaur just tossing back a fucking bottle of something. Yeah, dad sitting backwards on the toilet fucking talking shop with his daughter while he drinks a prune juice because he's just got to let it all out. <laughs> I just imagine Fred Willard reverse straddling a fucking toilet, speaking to somebody out the window. What do you think he's drinking that prune juice for, man? He's got to loosen up the stool. You cut back to fucking Hal, and Yamamoto is still staring at the fucking mini putt. It's 10 o'clock at night. Like, I guess implying that he's been staring out that window for like six hours now. And he's eating a bowl of rice. And he's just been standing there all day. He's just standing there like, I wonder when he's going to offer me a glass of water. I wonder when he'll stop bringing that weird blonde guy around here to tell bad jokes. Ugh. And he's like, oh no, here he comes again. Yeah, so he's like, come here, Needleman. I got a job for you. We got to stop that fucking mini golf course from being prosperous. So uh, why don't you take care of it? 
And he's like, okay. Dude, this guy is in the fucking mini puck course, dressed like a bank robber, like out of a McDonald's commercial. He looks like one of Black Bart's fucking gang members. This fucker's like rolling around like he's fucking Ethan Hunt or some bullshit. Look, no, he thinks he's Ethan Hunt, but he's fucking crunk for Emperor's New Groove, okay? He's singing his own theme music, like people can see him. He's got this gas can in his hand, and he's just like lazily swinging it around. Well, he also like puts on some fucking like weird off-brand tiger bomb, like on his what? Yeah, he fucking pulls out some icy hot. He's like, this smells like my grandmother, but it feels great. And I'm like, what are you doing? I don't understand why this was here. It's only there to do this gag, which is completely inappropriate. It's also filmed in a way that made me very, very unfortunate, uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> well, because Madonna, you know, hanging out in the fucking windmill finally pays off because she sees this fucker rolling around like a whack job. Yeah. And this guy's dumping gasoline all over the mini golf course and he's going to set it on fire. I was like, you're going to set this person's home on fire? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Uncle Hal, you piece of shit. He jumped right to arson. He doesn't give a fuck, I guess. Ella comes out to confront this fucking guy and he says, I'm going to kick your anus. Well, he leads in with like a space joke. Oh, yeah, a Star Trek joke. Yeah, he's like, because I'm going to kick your anus. Yeah, the second Star Trek joke, by the way, we, we kind of skimmed over the first one because earlier in the movie, when Ella's running from the fucking bullies. Oh, God. My dilithium crystals are running out. I'm I'm not Scotty with the fucking accent and everything. Yeah, and she fucking P.S. When she has this, the Sean Connery picture by her bed, it's accompanied by a fucking portrait of Rod Stewart and the guy who plays Scotty from Star Trek. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Yup. Then they have a fucking golf club duel that is lethargic at best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Duel of the Fate starts playing? That's a fucking edit to put over that fucking sloppy ass... Like, completely uh, graceless uh, combat sequence, which is really just, like, someone who's about to be a grown man, because I think Matt Letcher is probably approaching his 20s at this point. Oh, yeah. And Ella, who is played by someone who's looks, like, about a decade younger. She's got to be, like, 11 or 12. Yeah. And then it gets oddly sexual. Um, it is downright uncomfortable. It is bizarre. It's not on the fault of the actors at all. The way this is filmed, I'm like, who added sexual attention to this fucking child and this this <laughs> this almost man? He's, like, straddling her while she's on the ground, but, like, standing up. Yeah, he's he's got crotch pointed at her face. Yep. After he's, like, knocked her over the golf club, um, and they're both taking these, like, ginger stabs while having, like, a really piss-poor, uh, you know, attempt at a sword fight. He pulls out the fucking Icy Hot, and he's like, he's like, yeah, guess what? Now you're gonna fucking burn. Yeah, like I'm gonna spray Icy Hot at you? What? Like, what is he gonna do? Pour this all over her face? And, by the way, this substance is like liquid fucking white creamy shit. P.S. Also, if your goal was to be stealthy and quiet, spraying Icy Hot into someone's face is gonna get the attention of everyone in the surrounding area, because you ever got an Icy Hot near your eye? No. Which one? (laughs) Which one? (laughs) <laughs> Your brown one? Oh, Jesus. No, not that one. Well, I, I meant the one that this guy spills it on specifically because the fucking dinos come out <laughs> and they start nibbling on him. It, he, he's monologuing like a motherfucker and Elvis jumps up and like bites his zipper down. This guy doesn't notice. He pulls his pants down. I thought he was going to bite his ass. He fucking gingerly unzips his fucking fly so his pants are open. Now this man is open pants crotch 
pointing at this little girl with a bottle of creamy shit. Which then, I, I can't remember who knocks it from his hand. One of them bites him in the ass. Yeah, I think Elvis runs, like, unzips his pants, runs around, bites him in the ass, and he drops his fucking icy hot onto his dick like fucking Rudy. Yeah, and we get a close-up of this bottle just slowly dripping into his open fucking pants there's like white shit all over the front of his pants and then he like kind of goes cross-eyed and then just like the scene cuts and he runs away she's like oh something's getting hot <laughs> well yeah because then he runs into the fucking stream where fred willard fell over earlier and he fucking dunks his ball sack in there yeah and steam fucking emits out of the water don't need it <laughs> like what the fuck no he was like this will be hilarious right so he has fucking icy hot right and then he and then the fucking dinosaur opens his pants and he spills it on his dick what? So this Needleman fucking guy goes back into Hal's office and he's like icing his dick with like a cold beer or some shit. Yeah, he sticks a fucking Coors Light down his drawers. <laughs> In his pants and it like opens up when he zips his fly up. Somehow. Paper thin fucking beer cans apparently. Yeah, and Hal's like, get a fucking grip, man. This is the first instance where he's like, there was little dinosaurs and he's like, but they were probably rats. And then they just go with that. Yeah, no, Nobody can tell these are fucking dinosaurs. Open your freaking eyes. And they just go with it. He's like, oh, rats, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm Uncle Hal hatching a scheme. Yeah, let me call Manelli from fucking Bushwhacked. <laughs> who is this guy? He's somebody, isn't he? He looks like someone who's from The Sopranos. I've seen this guy in some other shit, and I just couldn't pin him. I didn't write down his name, but in this movie, it's Stutz. This, uh, th- this health official who comes in, and it's just like this wacky fucking David Lynch-ass character. Without any accredit- uh, accreditations, uh, like, ID tag. No, like, papers to, like, close this place. Just word of mouth, like, we're shutting this place down because rats or something. Yeah. I got this high-powered microphone. I'm listening for all the rats around here. If he had said, this is my high-powered directional microphone... I would have let that slide, but he pulls out this fucking directional microphone, which it's just a directional microphone. Can't get that at Radio Shack. It's a microphone turned inward into like a satellite dish, just like a regular like SM58 or some shit. But he pulls it out and goes, this is my bioengineered mechanical life form detector thingamajiggy bababa. It's a fucking vocal mic. What, did you steal it from a fucking band that was performing down the street? He's like one of those people that just like brags about his gold fucking monster cables. Oh, they got gold tips. They work better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So they they stick the dinosaurs in like a fucking golf bag to hide it from the guy, Uh, even though I don't know how the fuck he's going to find him with this microphone thing. Fred Willard gives the fucking bag that has all the dinos to his daughter, and she like barely goes anywhere. She just like kind of hides around a different part of the property. She, She doesn't leave and come back. She fucking froze up in the middle of the forest, and she's like in a bush, not moving, going, oil can. Well, Stutz makes a point that he can hear, you know, within 100 feet, any kind of sound, and he makes a joke how he can't hear a heartbeat coming off a howl, but he can hear, you know, Thomas's, uh, Fred Willard's heartbeat is beating fast. And then he finds Ella. So Stutz, basically, when he sees Ella with the bag, he's trying to get a scan on it, and he's like, oh, getting getting a lot of readings. And then Fred Willard runs over to this fucking... uh, the fucking screen door and starts pushing it back and forth back and forth and it's squeaking the whole time and Stutz gets like kind of confused and goes and checks that out for some reason because he falls for it like a fucking moron and uh they get away with it they don't catch the dinos the guy leaves he says he's got to come back with better equipment that's it that's the scene and they just like go by this guy's word to like I'll be back don't you open this golf course He's like, okay. And then it's nighttime again. And dad's fucking sucking down these fucking product placement fucking wine coolers watching his defeat (laughs) on tape. 
of this golf championship. For something that he he kept on the DL for a long-ass time, he's now all of a sudden just watching this on repeat. All the time, dredging up those memories, man. And then the kids, like, put on kilts and go to sneak into their uncle's country club. Right, with the antithesis that plaid was created by the Scottish for camouflage, this fucking girl says. Against what? A can't like ribbon candy? What the fuck? Funny you mention that because as they're creeping along, you see the Tweedledee and Tweedledum fucking coming around the corner, and uh, they they dive down and they're like crouched on the ground and they don't they don't fucking see him at all. No. What's weird about that is like what like if the Scottish invented the fucking camouflage and it's plaid, like what were they standing against? Were you standing against a fucking Lorna Dune shortbread cookie fucking tin? I can only imagine that it's like shades of fucking green and blacks and maybe like browns not like whatever the fuck she's wearing blend in with this pile of wrapping paper but only my lower half and ella's wearing like a skirt from her knees down you just see these white legs walking well and that's part of the joke because heath's got a fucking skirt on too and he's crying and complaining about it yeah but his is like all the way down to his feet true so they go into uncle hal's office at the at the golf resort office slash kitchen slash bedroom it's just a big fucking room with a giant back door attached to it and him and this japanese business manager is eating at a a single table in the middle of the room staring at each other staring at each other as hal is is again serving sushi because it's the only thing i guess he thinks this guy eats i guess and just failing miserably trying to pick this shit up with the chopsticks and then yamamoto is like, this is how the Japanese do it, and picks it up with his fucking fingers and eats it. <laughs> Dumbass. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was pretty good, too. Then Needlemeyer fucking comes in, just about crashes in through the door, and he, he's immediately making an ass out of himself, trying to think up more jokes to fucking tell this guy. <laughs> he's like, can you shut up? Get out of here. I'm trying to entertain Yamamoto. Yamamoto kind of looks up and is like, is there any other room in this uh, building? Is there any place else on the course you want to show me, possibly? No? Okay. So, then the dinosaurs just randomly show up? What the fuck? How did they get in there? Well, like, Ella and her brother walk in in a brightly lit room uh, in two giant double doors uh, and just quickly duck behind a couch that's a few feet away. Well, they got it out of the uh, Daniel Baldwin fucking playbook when he, uh, you know, dolphin dies behind that couch and in pursuit. (laughs) (laughs) The whole idea of, like, oh, I didn't look down so I can't see them. Motherfucker, you get to walk up to this door, which is also made of glass and see-through. Well, they got their kilts on. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. They're they're blending into the fabric. We did establish earlier how, you know, everything below frame, you know, the characters in the film don't see, so. <laughs> this is true. Kind of lines up, unfortunately. It's the baby's day out logic? Yeah, exactly. Carried over. It's the MDU, unfortunately. I mean, even Howard the Duck, remember, no, no one was freaked out by that guy either. Yeah, that, well, that's a tiny man in there. <laughs> it's a duck, man, it's a duck! So, yeah, the dinosaurs sneak in behind Ellen Heath and uh, immediately get into some hijinks in and around the table. Elvis grabs a bottle of sake and is like, cradling it with his feet and slamming it down on the ground. I found that to be very funny. The Brachiosaur? Is it, is it Paula who, like, starts rubbing this fucking guy's leg and he's like, ah, Mr. Yamamoto, you got, you, you, you like that shit? You, you want to play footsies? Yeah, and then she, like, there's a, a spray bottle somewhere? Seltzer or something. It's like those, one of those 20s fucking seltzer bottles. That's onto the table for some reason? <laughs> it's just on the ground for whatever reason. Paula picked that shit up and carried it over there and started spraying it all over Hal's crotch, like hardcore. In like a, in like a five to six second long uninterrupted stream and he sits there and just accepts it the entire time. He doesn't react like you would if cold water was suddenly splashed on your groin. He just sits there and he's like, oh, this is problematic. This guy's dick is soaked, and he's just like, ah, okay, Yamamoto, I, I see. I, I, 
I appreciate your humor. I see you want to urinate on me from across the table. Well, sir, zip. You're shooting water from under the table even though you got both hands eating your sushi. Giving me flashbacks to fucking Manelli and Bushwhacked. <laughs> Erickson's on the side there, yeah. Ah, uh, Hal, that's, uh, that's not rain. Yeah, he pops out from underneath the table. He's like, it ain't rain, sport. Hal just opens his pants and just pisses back on him, and Erickson's like, that was water, you dingus. Imagine that if, like, the water was sprayed in his crotch, and he's like, oh, we two could play a that game, Yamamoto. I honestly thought that's where it was going. For like a hot second. I'm finally speaking your language, sir. Stands up on the chair and pisses in this poor Japanese man's face. Somewhere George Hardy from Troll 2 is like, No! <laughs> I won't allow it! Well, this is all going on. Eventually, Paula starts aiming this thing right at his fucking head. And his whole head's getting soaked now. And he's just, he's like, you know, just kind of wiping his hair away. Like, ah. Uh, yeah, he's like Chevy Chase, at, you know, in a vacation movie. who just Who's just finally just accepting the madness. This dinosaur shoots him for like... Three minutes, it feels like. And she just keeps shooting him. And he's like, yes, uh, yeah, thanks, Yamamoto. I, yep, soak my face. Yep, mm-hmm. Please, sir, may I have another? But this water stream is also coming from, like, three different areas off screen. Like, there's one that comes from below the table. There's one that comes from, like, immediate stage left, which is, like, it looks like it would be someone's waste area. I'm waiting for the three stooges to run in fucking, like, full speed. And yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here, let me get that for you. And then he fucking shoots him again with the fucking seltzer. Yeah. Okay, so they already have dinner, but the chef comes out with, like, this giant platter that looks like a goddamn Christmas goose is underneath it and he like brings it to Uncle Howe and he lifts it up and Elvis is like laying on it laughing at him yeah there's no setup for this you never see how he gets in there anyway it's just the, these dinosaurs can teleport seemingly and Uncle Howe's just like oh that's it yeah that's a fucking dinosaur sure is oh that's weird. Well, I guess we're not having dinner tonight. He's like, uh, I need to, I need to go outside and get some air. Well, he thinks this is all like a test from Yamamoto. He like, he, he he's not getting it. <laughs> the Japanese man has smuggled pygmy dinosaurs in to test his fucking what? His fucking resolve. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, Nadelmeyer's telling him how there's these dinosaurs at the fucking other golf course, and he's not putting it together immediately. Yeah. So yeah, the dinosaurs just kind of fuck off from this scene because Uncle Hal gets up and then goes to like go out the front doors to get some air and he's just like oh there's my niece and nephew hiding behind my couch that plaid didn't work they're kind of behind this couch but they're at eye level with him when he's sitting on the chair at this table and then he gets up and walks like literally five feet and, and sees them it's, it's not like he has to really look at all yeah they're the worst at hide and seek uncle hal grabs the kids by the arm he's like what the fuck are you doing in here you bastards and then I guess because he talked to Needlemeyer and he was like, oh, you know, the arson didn't go as planned. He, like, tries to bribe these fucking kids to, like, get their dad to sell the uh, dino putt? Yeah, let me tell you something. Heath should be uh, excommunicated from the family. Well, yeah. Heath is like, yeah, I'll sell my whole family out for a rad electric guitar, man. Yeah, man, this fucking guitar and this hair taking me to Hollywood, motherfucker. And it's not like he has, like, some plan to steal, like, the fucking will or or the documents or, like, some kind of leasing, uh, you know, some lease documents or anything. He's just like, yeah, if you can kind of convince him, I'll buy you this guitar. Yeah, he's like, I'll give you this guitar if you can convince your dad to sell me the golf course. I love the order of how he chose to do this because his first option was go burn the place down. And then he's like, look, let's make a deal. <laughs> he, he went from one extreme to another. I think he's just got like a like a like bipolarism or some shit. So we go to the next morning and, you know, he, he's just fucking sitting there, you know, going to his dad. Yeah, yeah you know, you got to sell it to Uncle Hal, Dad. We can't afford it. We got to get out of here. You got to do it. And, you know, Fred Willer's just kind of like, eh, mm, yeah, I don't know. Mm. They're trying to come up with a plan to figure out the debt and, like, pay it off. And fucking Heath's just like, yeah, Dad, just sell it or whatever. 
because whatever. I'm going to get a guitar and you won't buy me a guitar or something. And then the dinosaurs show up again, seemingly out of nowhere. And we're fucking doing dino charades? Yeah. I don't understand how this worked. Like, is Ella a psychic? She She's really fucking good at reading these little things, man. I got to tell you. Because the one doing most of these, these charades movements is Elvis, who doesn't have opposable thumbs or real hands to speak of. And he's just doing all these head movements. And she's like, okay, one word, one syllable. Okay, got it. Yeah. It's him and the Triceratops hammer. And they're just like fucking bobbing their heads up and down, like shaking it from up and down or like left to right. And then she's like, okay. One word, uh, uh, sounds like, uh, 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 I don't know what. She figures out, I don't know how, but figures out that they say, you know, one, one word, one syllable, rhymes with, and then, it, like, Elvis starts to pet Hammer, I guess, with his head or something like that. She's like, rhymes with pet? Oh, bet! Like, figures it out immediately. So Ella's going to bet Uncle Hal, because the motherfucker can't turn down a gamble. Because he's like, he's like fucking Seamus from Luck of the Irish. Can't do it. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Oh, fuck. I'm a gambling man. I'm addicted. 1-800-GAMBLER. So she fucking, she goes to Uncle Hal and makes the bet. If he fucking beats her, he gets, he gets the, uh, the dino putt and the house, like, fair and square. If she beats him, he has to pay the entire, like, he has to literally, like, pay off the house. And all they have to pay is, like, the taxes and the fucking utilities. Yeah, now we have this high stakes golf match let me tell you something he was what the second best golfer of like all time like amateur golf there's no fucking way that this little girl is beating him because she couldn't even make the fucking hole at the beginning of the film but he 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 has to cheat yeah what is that he's like i need an insurance i got i need some insurance here even needlemeyer's like you want to you want to cheat why she's a little girl yeah exactly and he's like uh sure well uncle hal is basically just says do the same thing I did to my brother like 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and Needlemeyer's like, I don't know really what you're talking about, but okay. <laughs> I wasn't born, sir. Eobard's like, yeah, you know, I've done a lot of fucked up shit, but this is like, this is real low, man. Fucking cheating against a little girl <laughs> at miniature golf. Even Eobard would be like, what are you, this isn't pragmatic at all. What's your end game here? Like, what are you doing? Yamamoto, man, he's gonna make the deal. Why does this golf course matter to you so much? It doesn't. He just hates his family, as far as I'm concerned. I just love the idea of, like, these two, like, idiots fighting over this golf course that eventually someone's gonna just buy out from underneath both of them and just bulldoze all together. So, Ella, like, she's like, I'm gonna beat you top of the morning to you, Uncle Hal. You're you're done. G'day, mate. Have a bloomin' evening. A bloomin' onion. See ya. Uh, and then she pulls the fucking magical putter from the stone. And it literally fucking lightning bolt cracks, and you hear Thor's fucking approval as she raises it in the air. <laughs> oh, you're worthy now. Steve Rogers shows up. He's like, go ahead, go get him, kid. Yeah, Steve Rogers is like, can I have that? I'm going to need that back when you're done. She's like, you're not worthy. He's like, really? Hmm, am I? Hulk walks by with a couple of tacos, just smiles. <laughs> Steve takes the putter and Hulk gives her two tacos. There you go. Heath comes back to work and, you know, he kind of leaves the room, but he's been gone, like, long enough that literally nobody that's sane would be worried. And Uncle Hal, you know, he spills the beans about this trap he wants to set, and he goes, hey, you think uh, you think Heath hurt us? And Needlemire's like, yeah, probably not. He's like, well, take care of him anyway. And, yeah, and Matt Letcher, as Needlemire, is sitting there holding a pair of scissors, and he's quoting Marathon Man. Is it safe? Is it safe? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, is it safe? And he's like, I still don't know what you're talking about. You know, they're going to cut this kid's hair, and that's, you know, again, you know, 
It's taking him to Hollywood. No, not my bodacious hair. Dude, bro, you're fucking, how can I be a rock and roll star without my hair, dude? I'm like that old hero, Samsonite, whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> I was way off, dude. Uh, so, yeah, they, they cut away, and you didn't see the actual haircut happen, um, but then the next morning is, uh, I guess, like an Right before the game starts? Yeah. And then you see fucking Uncle Hal commiserating with fucking Needlemire. He's like, all right, you, you, did you wire up? He's, okay. <laughs> Uncle Hal has, like, a fucking yellow golf ball microphone thing on his chest. With very, like, a very visible speaker on the front of it. Yeah, there's, like, three holes in it. Yeah. And he's, like, talking into it. Like, he's, like, putting his shoulder towards his mouth. He's like, he's like... Hey, Needlemire, you're gonna wire up the 18th, right, buddy? He has, like, for all intents and purposes, a fucking electromagnet, okay? Like, or something along these lines. Yeah, but I th I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna blow it up? Like, the little girl's gonna fucking go putt to go in the 18th hole, and she's gonna blow it up, and this girl's gonna die. And he's like, well, Uncle Hal wins! By default, I win! Well, she's, she can't putt, she's dead! Her legs are over there, her head's on the roof. Needlemire's dead, too, he was far too close to the explosion. Needlemire, in fact, gets blamed for her murder, so Hal gets off scot-free. That's why he has to go to Central city and steal Harrison Wells' face and hide out for 15 years. Yeah, so he attaches this fucking, it just looks like a motherboard with copper wiring on it. It just looks like computer junk and he just slaps it to the, to the, to the jaw of this, uh, this obstacle on this 18th hole where it's like a little triceratops mouth that opens and closes and you have to get the ball in the mouth and he apparently just slapping this thing on the back of this, uh, this device allows him to have complete agency over it. I guess it's like the fucking thing the penguin sticks on the fucking Batmobile in Batman Returns, and he's like, wow, I got control. Yeah. The little spinny fucking spiral ball antenna thingy. God, I would have loved seeing Needlemire in that fucking little seat that penguin sits in while he's controlling it. <laughs> <laughs> Driving the Ceratops, Triceratops? Giving the exact same performance. Well, exactly. Took the words out of my mouth, Connor. <laughs> I played this stinking dino like a hop from hell. Fucking Needlemire's even got, like, the penguins regalia on with that, like, fucking body suit that he always wears under his clothes. Fucking slamming dead fish into his mouth. <laughs> he's just jumping up and down in this little fucking cart. The scene ends and Needlemire comes out of it. He's, like, in a fugue state. He's just, like, staring at his stained clothes. Like, what the fuck? Um, and then we just get, like, isn't there just a montage of just mini golf yeah pretty much he's like i can't wait to sabotage this little girl's game and then it's literally please verify this this has to be like 10 minutes right like no lie yeah this is why i think this happens there is literally if you're watching the movie only three courses on this whole fucking you know mini puck course oh yeah they're really they're trying to compensate for the fact that this golf course barely exists they have the windmill they have the castle, and they've got this fucking Triceratops thing, and everything else is just kind of like putting green. Right, and um, they they end up doing two montages here. There's like the first montage, which is like that fart music that we've been hearing all the whole movie, like doo -doo -doo -boo 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 -boo, or whatever the fuck. Right, right. And again, they're like showing the same fucking shot over and over of these kid and and Uncle Hal fucking shooting the the um the balls, and then at one point. It just hard cuts to, I guess you want to call it Ella's winning montage, because then there's just some fucking fart rock that jacks up. Oh, yeah, and she just starts, like, just slamming holes in one. Well, because she plays, like, shit on the first, like, hole or two, and then Madonna fucking flies down, and she kind of has a little one-to-one -one with her, meaning, you know, she talks, Madonna listens, and she comes to the conclusion, like, okay, Madonna, that's what I need to do, and then all of a sudden, the fucking hearts on fire starts playing, and she fucking starts killing it. <laughs> 
Oh, play better. Okay, Madonna, thank you. You're a sage. Exactly. All the while, like, intercut with Yamamoto stuffing these fucking dino burgers in his mouth. Yeah. Showing the most emotion he's shown the entire film. Oh, he loves it, man. The rest of the dinos are just slopping these things all over. If we haven't said that enough, you know, it's literally every shot of these things cooking these fucking haggis burgers. Fucking diarrhea burgers. Yeah, slapping it on a fucking styrofoam plate or dropping it on each other. <laughs> and regurgitating it onto the bun and serving it. Hey, we don't know what end that came out of, let's be real. Nope. But Yamamoto, he liked them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, they don't call them dino burgers for nothing. Is that poop, vomit, or food? Doesn't matter. Give it to me. So it comes down to the fucking wire, and somehow Hal, you know, he's only up by, like, what do you want to say, like a stroke, maybe? I don't know the exact score, because there, I think there's only two instances where someone reminds you of who's winning or losing. That's when Mom runs back to uh, Fred Wooler once she's like, she's up a stroke! It's like, that was the first hole. Calm down. Exactly. I was just about to say that, like, they do that the first time, and then right at the end. and the, But right before, you know, they're shooting this last hole, it cuts back to Fred Willard, and he's watching this fucking game again that he lost. He loves to fucking self-torture himself with this shit. This is the scene where it's like, okay, I see what you're doing, Dad. You're boozing it up, you know, not getting a job, you're just boozing it up watching your fucking game and just being a failure, because, and then just, like, letting your life go to shit. Like, now I see what you're doing, drinking those fucking product placement wine coolers or fucking cider or hard cider, whatever the fuck they are. Someone's like, will you get a job? And he's like, I can't! I'm a failure! There are a few things that make this scene amazing, though. Because you have this going on, and then it cuts back to the to the golf game while he's while he's stewing on this, and uh, you know how he makes his fucking shot, and Needlemeyer he activates the contraption so that Hal makes it in no problem, and Hal starts fucking cheering and saying oh, I won, I won, and then you know the ball doesn't go in the hole. It just stops short of the hole. So as Ella is getting ready to make her shot, it cuts back to Fred Willard, and he's kind of stepped away from the TV, and he's he's just staring at this fucking JFK. A head statue or that we mentioned earlier in the episode and he's kind of just like pondering on it. I can't believe the long buildup of this one gag because right? <laughs> what the fuck? They, they set this up like an hour earlier and they're like th- that statue is present in a lot of shots and then like suddenly it rears its head back around him like you could tell me that the resolution of this movie is going to somehow involve JFK and then he starts watching the tape I was like you fucking wouldn't. Well he's watching it already but this time he's watching without the sound on and I think he finally starts to like notice shit because he's not so focused on the sound. He goes frame 161 there it is see the tree in the background it's like 500 feet away from me and basically he's drawing parallels between his the last game that he lost and the fucking assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yeah, he keeps referring to the grassy knoll as if there is one. He goes, the fatal chirp lets out. There was two squeaks from different there was two sounds. If you really think about this, this is a really insensitive joke at the expense of a guy who got his head blown off. <laughs> yeah. He, he calls it like the lone birds conspiracy. Yeah. He's like frame 165 to the back and to the left towards the grassy knoll. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back into the left. (laughs) The chirp allegedly comes from the tree behind him, but he's like, there's no birds in that tree. It came from the left of me. And he's like, and my head went back into the left. Rewind back and to the left, which is, again, another quote from the JFK movie with Kevin Costner. Yeah. And so so we stop at fucking, like, what? Frame 206, and we see fucking Uncle Hal pulling out a pack of cigarettes and pulling out a cigarette with his mouth. And I'm, guys, I'm still not sure what the fuck is going on here. Does he have a bird call or some shit in that fucking pack of cigarettes? It's a fucking party whistle, okay? It's one of those, like, blue. He's noticing, and, you know, as he's rewatching the tape, the party horn, the end of it come out and, like, you know, spiral down at the other end of the cigarette. And he never noticed it before because he was so focused on the sound of it all. 
How many times he watched the same five minutes of footage and still has and, ha- and took up until now to see this? That's my point, man. <laughs> right? Especially if he's drinking too. Like, wouldn't you think he'd be like analyzing? He'd be like, wait a minute, I my brother's doing something weird. I would have thought he would pause it right where Hal walks up and just start throwing beer cans at the TV. Right? There's my piece of shit brother and his stupid ass college shirt, whatever. Then uh, he he freaks out and he's like, this is ridiculous because <laughs> he's like, oh. It was Hal. He's cheating. I gotta stop him from cheating against my daughter or else the same thing's gonna happen to her. She's gonna be a fucking loser. So he runs out of the house. Now, the house is right next to the golf course. But for whatever reason, it takes him like 10 minutes to run over to fucking to hell. Well, he runs in slow motion, Joe. That's the problem. He also has to run past those, the rest of those imaginary holes that we don't see. Also, he had to run slow enough so that we can get this joke where... <laughs> uh. I guess Heath is just in this dinosaur suit and has been standing there the entire fucking time. Oh, no. Because he turns around and fucking Needlemire's in the bushes with the remote control ready to fucking sabotage this little girl's putt. And the dinosaur turns around and just starts beating the shit out of Needlemire. And all the while, Yamamoto is standing by shoving a dino burger in his mouth, screaming Gojita. Which is precisely where I thought this movie was going to go. I thought it would because of two reasons. Earlier in the film, when they lit up the fucking mini putt they had this copyrighted ass godzilla fucking cartoon figure yeah and then he's wearing a goddamn godzilla costume like come on they were clearly gonna go there no this is it's it's zod gila it's our it's uh legally distinct it's gigantus defy a monster <laughs> this goes again this goes on for another five fucking drawn out minutes of just yamamoto screaming gojuda and i would assume he's saying something like get him godzilla in japanese well then yeah elvis fucking runs over with the chef's hat on still and starts biting Needlemire. Fucking Heath, like, knocks him out and then, like, bites him, what, on the face? Yeah, I want to say that sounds right. Or his or his fingers? He bites his fingers or some shit? I mean, I'm just assuming when all was said and done that Needlemire and Hal got fed to the fucking dinosaurs. I wish, right? They chop them up and fucking feed them? That's their payment, man. Yeah. They put the dinos in, like, a little pit. Corpse fucker brings him out, cuts him up, throws him in the fucking pit. Ah, now you're dinner for my dinos. Now you're mine, Hal. Get ready, because I'm going to start fucking. I'm not a corpse yet. Uh... Give it a minute. I also like the fact that Hal has has to have two methods of cheating against an 11-year-old girl in a fucking mini-golf game. Right? Like, come on. Well, how much of a slime ball are you really? Just in case this robot thing goes afoul, he's got the fucking pack of cigarettes with the party horn in it. And he's getting ready to pull it out. And then fucking Fred Willard comes running off fucking screen and has a putter and smacks this cigarette out of this guy's mouth with the putter. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you know, if I thought he was going to crack him upside the fucking head with it, because that's the way it looks at first. Would have been real satisfying, to be honest. Oh yeah. Fuck you, Hal, you ain't fucking this up for my daughter. It was you! It would have saved him a little time and grief, so he didn't have to, you know, put a bullet in his head later to feed to the dinos. You know, he could have just taken him out right then and there. Spoilers, Ella makes this shot and fucking gets a hole-in-one and wins, and Uncle Hal is furious. And I guess just, like, spontaneously combusts off screen because we don't see him again. Well, you know, he, he gets the, you know, baby syndrome because he throws the hat on the ground and he grabs his clubs from his caddy and throws those on the ground and just starts stomping on him. Oh, he's breaking his toys, something serious. He stomps the ground so hard that he gets his foot stuck in it and what the fuck happens to the real version of Rumpelstiltskin? Something like that. I don't know. Whatever happens to him. <laughs> He gets turned into a fucking stone and thrown into the uh, the, the ocean? Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> That'd be fantastic. Ella beats him. He's like, no! And just turns to stone immediately. One of the dinosaurs sprinkles fucking sparkles on him. Yeah, there's like just bird shit on the next scene. So Ella wins and uh, rejoice because the, the house and the dino putt is saved and we're going to have a nice, lovely, prosperous life for everybody. And Yamamoto's like, I'm going to buy the fucking mini putt golf course and open up mini golf in Japan and... Russia? Sure. Don't they already have mini golf there? He's acting like it's some kind of fucking brand new, like, you're never gonna believe this, Chuck. Listen to this. <laughs> have you ever had haggis? Dino burgers. His brother's just like, yeah, haggis. It's that Scottish stuff. It's it's kind of stringy. It doesn't taste very good. What about it? You're dead to me, brother. All right, all right. Tell you what, we we do it, but we use Singapore May Fun. What do you think? Oh, that sounds gross. Uh, I'd eat it. Mr. What's-His-Face? Like, the, the guy who owns the dinosaur just, like, just shows up. He sees all the blood all over their mouth. He's like, I see you fed them. Thank you. Everybody's, like, all happy and shit. Like, wow, I can't believe we did it. And then Mr. Cranston just comes shambling off sc- from off screen, and he's like, have any of you seen any small dinosaurs around here? Oh, there they are, little rascals. Come here, you. I want to see the movie where he's literally just, like, walking around town, like, taking his hat off, scratching his head, asking people, like, yeah, you know, uh... <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but have you seen, like, two-foot-tall dinosaurs walking around? <laughs> it would end with him in a drunk tank. It very well might have. That's where he's been the whole time. He got he got arrested for asking an officer if he'd seen his tiny dinosaurs. He's like, sir, how many drinks have you had? No, 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 I'm not kidding. Like, they like raisins, you know. Uh... I got the DTs! I was given to them by a guardian spirit. Oh, man. It's almost like the movie's like, well, if you're watching Prehistoria 3, you've seen 1 and 2, so we're not going to make it obvious that the di- Like, we're, we're just going to make it obvious that they're looking for the dinosaurs. Like... Uh, have you seen anything strange around here? No. Have you seen fucking four pygmy dinosaurs just loafing about? Didn't I tell you I just didn't see anything strange? So he fucking grabs these fucking dinosaurs, throws them in a uh, back in the fucking raisin crate for whatever, because they love raisins, because food of the gods or whatever. And then he's just like, well, uh, okay, great. I'm, I'm glad you had a great mini golf adventure. See you in Prehistoria 4. Bye. Prehistoria the series. That should have happened and never did. Yeah, you're on to something. But as of 2019, this is the last Prehistoria movie remember oh yeah well call fucking charles band because we're fucking starting this back up baby i'd watch it uh, so would i i'd give it a shot bring matt letcher back as thon as eobard thon yeah or um or as his character from narcos that would be really interesting so cranston fucks off in his red jalopy and fucking hits the road uh well ella has like she comes up she's like they're uh she's like they leave and they're like yeah they're gone she's like no i had a, a gift for them yeah like the movie seemingly ends and she's like wait i'm not done yet <laughs> I didn't read my lines yet. I was like, ah, shit, come on. So, yeah, she catches up to this fucking pickup truck on the bike that her dad gave her, which is the the payoff. I guess just to catch up to the dinosaurs. Yeah, and then she jumps up to the back of this fucking truck uh, and gives the dinosaurs a bagpipe. Like, I have a gift to give the dinosaurs as a going away present. Fucking bagpipes? For these pygmy... What the fuck are they gonna do with human-sized bagpipes? Well, Paula figures it out right away and just starts fucking... Just sticks her whole face into the, uh, the whole of the, like, the mouthpiece of one of these things and just makes music. Just plays a whole Scottish fucking song on there. She plays the fucking Scottish national anthem, like, right away. She just knows it. (laughs) Paula, you're a natural! You know, they have those cute little chef hats, you know what I mean? Like, why didn't you make them cute little bagpipes for, for all of them? Or, like, kilts. How about that? All little kilts? Yeah, the kilts. that went on about it for so fucking long. That would be fantastic. I'd love this movie if they, had, if they ended with giving dinosaurs little tiny quilts. T-Rex in a kilt? 
playing bagpipes? Sign me up. Pig me one. Give it a little beret. Don't hold that movie from me. <laughs> the series, Sean had it licked, man. That, that's it. That's where we would have saw that. Just every episode, man. I'm telling you. It would have been the, the, the Incredible Hulk TV show. Just every episode, they're going somewhere else. Exactly. Helping out somebody else. And it always ends with that sad piano song, too. Well, you know, they got the Scottish bagpipes at the end of that show. There you go. Playing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow or some shit. From here, you're like, you know, it's just going to fade out in credits, right? No. We cut back to the fucking putt-putt again. And Yamamoto's like, I'm going to... This is where he actually says it. It's right at the end. He's like, he's like, I want to buy Dino Putt and put him everywhere. It's a great idea. And he's like, under one condition. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever you want, Mr. Yamamoto. He's like, that the Dino Burgers can be on call 24 hours a day at my uh, in my hotel room. And then it shows Yamamoto biting into this fucking burger. Freeze frame. Cut to credits. What the fuck? Who said what? It was probably going to end in the pickup truck and someone's like, no, we have to tie this plot thread up. They had to get that line in where he says that and Fred Riller goes, we're game. Oh, so credits. Where are we putting this? Given how immediately interesting this movie became to me because of the casting of Needlemire, um, it's a shelf movie. <laughs> Now it has an ex- like this very strange novelty value specifically for me because uh, I only discovered Letcher through Flash. I hadn't seen him before, even though apparently I'd seen him a bunch of times. He was in Zorro and a bunch of other shit. Um, I think he's in Gettysburg, but I'm not sure. Um, but he's been around forever, and to see him here was very much like seeing Paul Walker in uh, Monster in the Closet. Uh, and it's just so funny to see him... C- come from here and go on to do stuff like Narcos, which is a show about, you know, fucking the drug war of Mexico, um, or in a show where he's a, a villainous speedster who loves to just jam his hands into people's chest. Uh, so, yeah, I, this would go on my shelf, personally, because and also, the dinosaurs are really, those puppets are cool as shit, and they're kind of charming, even if all the human drama is really stupid and ham-fisted, so. Um... Guess where it's going for me? Is it already on your shelf? Oh, it's on. The, all three of them are on the shelf. <laughs> of course they are. One, two, and three are all lovingly placed on the shelf because, yeah, definitely a shelf movie for me. Um, It's great, you know, in the worst way possible. You know, the first of these movies and the second of these movies are decent kids' movies, and they're funny as hell, and the animatronics are great. What's so great about Moonbeam, or what was so great about Moonbeam, was they were taking all of the special effects stuff and 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 all that kind of filmmaking and then like just gearing it towards kids and in, in like kid friendly movies and growing up with that was fucking awesome cuz it was like okay i you know i'm you know i'm a young adult i'm watching puppet master but like on the dl but like i can go and get these movies no problem like pet shop like i was talking about earlier or you know josh kirby or what have you uh or you know prehysteria it's got a lot of fun effects the plot is so goddamn goofy you can't help but just fucking love it ella i can totally do without she's probably the worst fucking character in any of these movies that i've ever seen oh she's incredibly annoying god damn it she's annoying but on the whole this movie uh, is fine. It's totally fine. It's a fucking Moonbeam special, baby, and uh, sign me up. Uh, for me, I would definitely say this is this is one of those eggshell crate on the side of the fucking road movies. This isn't quite a dumpster movie, and this isn't quite a shelf movie for me. 
But uh, the fucking JFK jokes, man, like those actually got me pretty good. I didn't anticipate that at all. And it's like one of the only things that I've watched that that jumps to mind that took this and ran with it in a in a, a comical light effectively. Like there's that classic Seinfeld episode with uh, Keith Hernandez with fucking spitting on uh, Kramer. But other than that, this was like a pretty good JFK getting shot joke, if I can even say that. What, what only rivaling Biodome? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know. I don't think I've ever heard someone say, that's a really good JFK getting shot joke. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So that puts it in the egg crate and. Uh, the rest of the movie, you know, the dinos are cool. I laughed a decent amount in this film, but I, I didn't like it enough to put it on the shelf. It's definitely superior than, you know, some of the more recent uh, dumpster films that we've watched. So, yeah, that's uh, where I'd put it. I enjoyed it. It's unfortunate because, like, this is easily the the worst out of the series, but, like, it shouldn't have been this way, you know? Like, there should be, like, ten fucking prehysteria movies. Could have been done. I, I could see it. Like I said, you know, I, I don't mean to keep going on about it, but I, I feel like the concept, you know, whether I, it totally gels for me or not, uh, is pretty solid. Yeah, but it's like literally one of the most successful Moonbeam franchises that they had going. And it's just like, it just took a shit. And it's like, what, did you just give up? You know what I mean? And it's not like, it, like the animatronics are still good. Like usually what happens is everything goes downhill, right? The production value completely goes downhill and it's like, who the fuck could care? Kind of like the Puppet Master movies, like the original run. Like when you start to, when you, when you start getting up there, like past fucking like retro Puppet Master and shit, you're into that fucking. What are you talking about? The Littlest Reich is probably an excellent movie. I'm, uh, that's a whole nother conversation, but like. <laughs> I could literally talk for an hour about that, but let's just say that that was such a fucking letdown for me. Um, yeah, what I, what happened? I, I don't know. Like I, again, like all the, the production value was there for the for the like. Did they spill too much haggis on the fucking dinos and they couldn't be salvaged? I guess the, the your selling point is there, up, but like you just decided to not put it front and center for whatever. Like, this is Prehistoria 3, not Mini Golf the movie. Right. So, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Lucky Duck Entertainment and O Street Mini Golf, uh, collectively and respectively from our friends Rudy and Aaron. And uh, they were nice enough to have us on their uh, their mini golf show. And uh, you can check that out on YouTube, the O Street Mini Golf YouTube. We'll link it all over the place. We'll post it on Facebook, Twitter, maybe even on this episode. Oh, yeah. We'll hook it up. So that's it. That's Prehysteria! Exclamation point three from 1995, directed by David D. Coteau. Hey, everybody. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Podbean. And make sure to leave us a five-star review if you dig the show, because it helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Joe Lascola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. There's one condition. Oh, what's that? Room service will have to deliver these dino burgers 24 hours a day. 